where we leave on the light. From Flashbangs and Frag Grenades. By Calchexis. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on League of Legends by Riot Games. Chapter 1. Tadaima. It was not in the nature of most mages to bother learning sword combat, but Lux had rarely ever been paired into the company of what anyone would call a normal mage. Truly, Lux loved her blade. The grip was crafted from polished white ash fastened with fitted steel and wrapped in treated leather. The sheath was made from the same materials, steel, ash, and leather, and it was carefully oiled to keep the blade from rusting while it was at rest. It was a gift from her brother, one of the very few gifts she'd ever received that she'd actually liked. It was a gift from her brother, one of the very few gifts she'd ever received that she'd actually liked, largely because her mother's idea of a gift was a new dress, which coincidentally tended to come with a new suitor to wear it for, and Auntie Tia tended to give more functional gifts, like blade polish. Garen, however, had commissioned the blade with her exact grip in mind, cut to the perfect length and weight. Regardless of her reliance on magic, she considered herself a more than proficient swordswoman, not at the level of first shield, naturally. She wouldn't be out dueling Scythria the Bold any time soon, but she could leave most challenges on the floor nursing a nasty bruise without breaking much of a sweat. The sword meant many things to Lux, but really it was her big brother's way of looking out for her, even when he wasn't there. It was affection shown in a very crown guard fashion, but it was genuine, and that was rare in her family. That's why she'd brought it with her. Lux hummed a tuneless melody as she worked. That morning she dressed in an outfit that her mother would have suffered a major coronary event to see, but as her mother wasn't here she could stuff it. Lux had pulled on a pair of simple trousers secured with a belt, a pair of woolen socks, and a comfortable linen tunic that was just a bit too long. Lux liked them that way, although she couldn't properly say why. She'd tied off the tunic at her waist and was working her way through her third box of belongings— She'd been lazy, but then there was no one to admonish her about it, so it didn't really matter. What did matter was that for the first time in her life, Lux was on her own. Not in the sense of a mission, but in the sense of her day-to-day -day life. Her home wasn't the Crown Guard estate any longer. However much she may be welcomed there if she ever decided to visit, now home was a small flat on the 82nd floor of Piltoven Spire 14. It had a Hextech quad lock on the front door and a spacious living room with an attached kitchenette, it had a standing shower and a privy that was self-cleansing, something that it had taken House Crown Guard far too long to catch up on due, in part, to how difficult it was to modify the plumbing of an estate home that was built like a fortress. And almost better than that was the set of automatic washing and drying machines. Ever since Lux had seen the ones operating down in Jinx's laboratory, she'd developed a small obsession with having a more compact set of her own. She'd decorated the walls first. Finally, she had a place for all of the little mementos she'd collected during her time trotting the span of Valoran on the Order of the Radiant Ones. Her collection from a handful of Ionian missions finally had a place. The intricate scrolls she'd picked up during the infiltration of a monastery went in the small entry hall. The calligrapher's set went onto the desk in the living room, which she'd placed in front of the large window that caught the sunrise nicely. Bookshelves lined the walls of the living room, and although they were currently empty, they wouldn't stay that way. She rarely returned home from a mission without at least one new volume to add to her collection, which until now had been sitting in a travel trunk. If haphazardly bound, manual on the alchemic arts that Lux doubted had ever been read by a non-Zonite. The chemist who'd owned it had sold it to a Zonite whore by the name of Daybreak, though, so as far as that fellow was concerned, it still hadn't been. 
The whole thing was written in a bastard dialect of Gutlow, unfortunately, so that miserable three-armed mutant was currently still correct, but Lux was working on remedying that. Lux had managed a modest collection of furniture aside from her desk. There was a couch and a pair of stuffed chairs around a low-set table in the living room and a small dining set near the kitchenette. Enough space to entertain if she ever decided to, although she doubted she would on any kind of regular basis. The fact of the matter was that Lux just really didn't like people all that much. She valued her space. It made the flat look like a place that someone would entertain people at, should the opportunity arise, though, even if she never indulged in it, and the appearance of normality was what mattered to Lux, something she begrudgingly shared in common with her mother, although she would never admit it out loud. The final room, other than the little utility closet where her cleaning machines had been installed and the small bathroom across from it, was her sanctum. Really, it was just her bedroom, but ever since Lux was a little girl, bedroom had meant sanctum to her. The bed was a broad four-poster, sans a canopy. There were a pair of smaller bookshelves where Lux planned to house her more valuable and most favorite volumes, and it had a modest closet with enough room for her clothes and a few of her favorite costumes she'd used during her infiltrations once she unpacked them. Daybreak would go in there somewhere. Thinking about it still made Lux blush, in part because she'd very much liked wearing it. But among the modest furnishings there were also boxes, lots and lots of boxes. Even though she'd barely brought anything in terms of percentage of belongings, the size of the place meant that what she did bring produced no small amount of clutter. She'd managed to get most of her necessities unpacked over the past few days, but the rest of the job was really starting to drag, and the consistent distractions that kept cropping up weren't helping. It was as she was kneeling in front of a set of boxes and trying to determine which pile of books she was actually sorting through, all while lamenting her lack of labels, that a knock at the door interrupted her. It was a gentle rapping, but it was a sound that Lux was more than familiar with, even if it was surprising to hear the sound in Piltover. Lux winced as she stood, massaging her thighs and calves to get some blood flowing back into them, and half walked, half hobbled over to the front door to pull it open. A giant stood in the doorway. Or rather, a very large man who tended to make others feel smaller than they were, and by that logic, also tended to seem like a giant. The looming quality of him had long since been lost on Lux, however. After all, he was her brother. I didn't realize you'd be coming so soon, Lux said, stepping back to let Garen inside. He'd thankfully left the lion's share of his armor behind, sticking instead to a light cuirass and layered jerkin and tunic over cream trousers. Garen chuckled quietly as he looked over Lux's flat before turning back to his sister. It's a bit small, isn't it? Not for me, Lux replied as she shut the door. I don't need much space, and a palatial suite wouldn't exactly be subtle. I'm not on vacation, Garen. I'm here as an emplaced operative. His mouth pressed to a thin line as he ran a gloved hand over his head, mussing his wind-tousled brown hair as he did, but despite that, it still fell into an attractively rakish tumble. It was no wonder he was considered the most eligible bachelor in all of Demacia, short of Prince Jarvan himself. And even between those two there was debate. I just wish you'd talked to me before accepting this assignment, Garen said finally. Lux shook her head. I was going to accept it no matter what. Talking to you wouldn't have changed anything. But why Piltover? Garen grumbled, waving a hand at the window as he did. Sighing, Lux walked over to the window he'd gestured at and threw it open. The scent that came through wasn't the clean, green scent of Damasian fields. It was all sea salt and industry— and among those smells were the eternal sounds of metal on metal faintly clanging away in the distance, 
and an inescapable ticking that gave Lux the impression that she was living in a giant clock. You know why. You just don't like that I left home, Lux said flatly as she leaned her arms on the window sill. Piltover's industry is less important than its position. An alliance with Piltover means Noxus as a foe to its south, and with the Ionian Isles to the east, Demacia to the west, and the north has nothing but impassable mountains and frozen wastelands, it puts Noxus in a box. But it could have been anyone. Any radiant operative could have done this job, Karen countered. So why you? Because I volunteered, Lux replied sharply as she turns to face her brother, with her arms crossed squarely over her chest. Garen looked stunned. He worked his square jaw a few times before finally just settling on the simplest and clearest question. Why? Lux sighed, letting the vitriol out and relaxing her shoulders as she leaned back against the window sill. For a moment, just a moment, Lux considered telling Garen it was none of his business because, frankly, it wasn't. Who the Radiant Ones assigned and to where was a matter for themselves, and that was that. They had never and would never answer to the military body of Demacia, because that wasn't their purpose. But Garen was her family, and moreover he was family she actually liked, so she tried. She tried to put together in words a reason that would ring true and that would skirt around the most prominent draw this city had for her. For the past five years, Mother has been becoming increasingly insistent that I get married, Lux said, carefully choosing her words as she went. Nothing untrue, that was important. She's getting desperate, Garen. She tried to whore me off to a Laurent, for God's sake. And if she's willing to try that, despite the fact that the last attempt at a marriage between our houses ended in a blood feud and a duel to the death, then I know she'll take whatever she can get and damn my own preferences. It's not as bad as all that, Garen said weakly. Lux let out a bark of a laugh. From his tone of voice, even Garen didn't believe that line, and he shouldn't. Her brother was many things, but he wasn't stupid. Not like people tended to think he was, like some hulking brute with a sword and a head full of Demacian rhetoric. There was more to him than that. I can't stay in that house anymore, I just can't. Lux stood up from where she'd been leaning and walked to the kitchen to put on some tea. I'm tired of mother pushing and pushing. I have a life and a job and I'm good at it. Lux looked up from the teapot to fix Garen with a glare. And mother would rather me be some noble son's broodmare than serve my country. Garen sighed heavily and sat back in one of the comfortably cushioned chairs as he pinched the bridge of his nose. Agatha Crownguard was not a wicked woman, Lux knew that, but she was a hard woman to love. Has it occurred to you that she just wants one of her children not to be in life-threatening situations every other day? Garen asked. Of course, Lux replied casually as she finished steeping the tea and poured a couple of generous measures one of which she handed to her brother before taking the other to the seat across from him and sitting down to meet his gaze directly. "'Has it occurred to either of you that I'm allowed to live my own life true to my own principles, and not to the fears of a woman who would rather see me heavy with child than happy?' Garin chuckled bitterly, then took a sip of his tea. The small teacup looked oddly toy-like in his enormous paw of a hand, and yet he held it with as much grace as any noble-born. You and she really are alike in the worst possible ways, he muttered. Lux snorted, then sipped at her own tea. I'm well aware, and I'll deny it to my grave if you ever repeat that. The Crown Guard siblings drank their tea in silence as the sun slowly worked its way down. By the time the pot was empty, Lux was feeling markedly better about everything, and even Garen looked faintly mollified. I really am the best person for this, you know. 
objectively speaking, Long said as she stood and gathered their dishes. Garin nodded. She knew he'd asked after her, which meant that he was aware that she'd spent most of the last year and a half working in or around Piltover and Zaun, largely chasing down that cult of Vesper's case, but even before that, she'd been helping lay the groundwork for the new alliance that was being put on the table. This role is important, Luck said softly, and I have a lot of contacts in the city. I know I said I volunteered, but the council offered me the position first because they knew I'd be the best fit for it. Then why didn't they just order you to do it? Garen asked as he stood. Lux let out a faint snort and smirked. Isn't it obvious? It's because I'm a crown guard. If they ordered me out of Demacia, it would look bad, but if they offered a volunteer position and I accepted, then... Then their bony, sanctimonious asses are covered. Right, Garen scowled. He had no love of politics, and frankly, neither did Lux. The difference was that Lux was forced to deal with it more often, whereas Garen was encouraged to solve his problems by hitting them with an overlarge sword. Sanctimonious ass-covering aside, Lux replied, walking up to her brother and taking one of his large hands in hers, I really am the best fit, and I really do want to be here, so please, can't you be happy for me, at least a little? Garen sighed, but nodded as he put his other hand on top of her hand and rustled her long blonde hair, making a mess of the slightly sweaty locks and earning a swat from his little sister. I am happy for you. I just hope Piltover is still standing next time I come to visit, Garen said with a grim laugh. Lux grinned broadly as she threw her arms around Garen's broad middle and hugged him tight. No promises, she whispered before dropping back down to her feet. She said it like a joke, but honestly she really couldn't make that promise, not considering the woman she'd fallen in love with. The woman who was, by Lux's reckoning, probably hanging from the window sill by her fingers or something else equally absurd. She couldn't say precisely how or why, but she always knew when Jinx was ready, and she was definitely close. Thanks for coming, though. If I had an extra room, Lux started, but Garen waved her off. I'm liaising with Sheriff Caitlin and her partner in a few hours as part of our joint defense pact, Garen said. Lux made a silent ah and patted her brother's arm. Have you met either of them before? I haven't. Why? Garen crooked an eyebrow. They're very close. Lux said cautiously. Garen shrugged. They're partners. Well, yes, but I mean... Lux fished around for the words for a moment. I mean, they've got a powerful bond, you know? They're pretty much a unit, you know what I mean? Ah, Garen nodded sagely. Like sisters. Oh, for the love of... They're lesbians, Garen. Lux slapped a hand over his face and pushed her brother out of her flat. And they're married. So if I hear you acted like a prig in front of them over it, I'll box your ears, even if I have to come back to Demacia to do it. Wait, they what? Lux ignored his outcry as she kicked the door shut, then immediately started laughing as she returned to her living room and took a deep breath of the breeze floating in from the open window. There you are, Lux smiled. It was a broad, gentle expression she wore as she walked to the window so and leaned out, following her nose and the singular scent of gunpowder and crude oil that wafted in. Sitting on the narrow ledge a half-meter to the window's right was a limber, whipcord figure. Her twin brains, both a startling shade of electric blue, snapped occasionally in the high winds that kicked up every so often and curled around the spires. Despite the chill, she wore almost nothing, just a vague collection of straps and bandoliers cobbled together from scraps of clothing, and both of her weapons, a rotating minigun and a heavy rocket launcher, were at rest on either side of her. "'Hey, Blondie,' Jinx said with a long, thin smirk. 
Chunky gone? That's my brother you're calling Chunky, Lox replied with a playful roll of her eyes. And yes, he's gone, but you knew that. It would be so easy for Jinx to make her feel stupid. That was something Lux reflected on a lot in her lonelier hours. She could never predict what Jinx was thinking. Her mind was a steel trap lined with razor wire and a puzzle box in the middle, and Lux always felt lost whenever she tried to get at it. As a rule, Lux hated feeling stupid, and yet, despite the fact that she'd finally met someone who could probably do it at will if she wanted to, Jinx was the one person who had never tried. If anything, Jinx acted like she was the stupid one. "'How's the move?' Jinx asked. Lux shrugged as she leaned on the sill, hanging her head out in the open air so she could see her girlfriend. That was the label they'd decided on, girlfriends. It was such a normal, everyday word that it clashed horribly with Jinx, which, upon reflection, was probably why Jinx liked it, because it was jarringly normal. Not bad. I don't really have much, and the Radiant had everything I was bringing delivered ahead of me anyway, so now I just have to organize it. Lux nodded into the living room. The books are the real problem. I have so many, and I didn't really label any of the boxes. Jinx made a quiet hum of acknowledgement as she kicked her legs like a kid sitting on a curb and turned to look out over the wide expanse of Piltover. Lux watched her as she often did, and there was something endlessly fascinating about Jinx's expressions and reactions. It was like Jinx was never quite seeing what everyone else was seeing. It seemed to be close but different in too many fundamental aspects to be called alike. At that moment, the air was chilly and the sky was clear, and the setting sun cast its light across the brass and steel and glass spires of Piltover, and all of it was reflected in a pair of springberry eyes. Coin for your thoughts? Lux asked. And as she did, she realized it was the first time she'd ever asked any version of that question. Such a simple question, what are you thinking about, was really what she had just asked. And on the heels of that, Lux wondered if it could really be that easy. Can you imagine all of it burning? Jinx said, never looking back or away from the cityscape, and Lux furrowed her brow. Piltover? Sure, why not? Jinx replied as if the location didn't really matter. Maybe it didn't. The look on Jinx's face told Lux she probably wasn't seeing Piltover, or if she was, then it wasn't the Piltover that Lux was looking at. Why? Lux asked, turning to look out over the city. Because what else would he do? Jinx asked with a laugh. It took a moment for Lux to grasp what Jinx was saying. She didn't dismiss it out of hand or push away her question as being flippant. That wasn't the type of person Jinx was. If she asked a question, it was because she wanted to know the answer. If she said something, it was because she felt like it needed or ought to be said. What else would you do? Lux chewed on that question for a while before finally grasping the thread of mad logic that Jinx was dangling out for her. In a way, she was right. What else would you do? Piltover was already built. Theoretically, you could imagine more buildings, but that was limited. The cliffs and canyons that Piltover was built on and around couldn't reasonably support much more, structurally speaking, which was why the city was famous for its spires. The architects knew they would have to build up, not out. Otherwise, the commerce centers would become too spread out from the residential sectors, creating sprawling suburban areas and slums, but building up had its limits. Moreover, the beating heart of Piltover was the trade that flowed through the mighty sun gates and the attached sea gates, and if the city sprawled outward, it would only serve to spread itself too thin. So if you couldn't build anything else, and assuming you weren't content to just do nothing, then you would have to destroy something, because what else would you do? I guess you're right, 
Lux said finally, looking back at Jinx. Jinx's smile widened fractionally, and she continued to imagine Piltover's utter destruction. At least that's what Lux assumed she was imagining. In truth, even if she knew intellectually what Jinx was thinking, there was no way for her to actually know what was actually happening in that snake's nest of a brain. Tipping her head down, Lux stared into the depths of the canyon below. The reason she'd given the Radiant for selecting this particular spire was because it rested at a counterpoint between Piltover and Zaun. The lower reaches of the spire actually stretched into Zaun itself, which was why they were condemned, but for an operative it meant she had easy access to the place while still living in the safety of Piltover itself. It was a sound reason, and the Council had applauded her strategically-minded positioning, and that was part of her consideration. The real reason, however, was that the spire was situated directly over the portion of cliffside that Jinx's laboratory and safe house occupied. It meant that it was, in as much as could be managed, as easy to see Jinx as it was possible to contrive. Well, up until now. Now Lux had another question, and one that she was hesitating to ask, because she had no idea how Jinx would react to it. A small huff of a laugh escaped Lux as she reflected on how little that actually mattered, really, because the truth was that she never knew how Jinx was going to react to anything, and even if she thought she did, then it was more likely she was just fooling herself. "'Do you want to come in?' Lux asked after a moment without looking up. She felt more than saw Jinx turn her attention away from the city and onto Lux. It was an odd feeling, because Jinx didn't actually have to be looking at her for that to happen. It was like a prickle on the back of Lux's neck, although it wasn't unpleasant. Not for her, at least. Dunno, Blondie, I'd probably break something. Jinx admitted before adding. On purpose, I mean. Why? If it's not mine, I break it, Jinx said. Dunno why, and I don't really care. I see something intact, and it's like, why shouldn't I? It's not mine, and I'm not using it, so it's better off broken, because... What else would you do? Lux added. And Jinx flashed white teeth in another broad smile. Yeah! Jinx crowed. Exactly! That's my girl! Lux smiled and hummed thoughtfully as she turned and leaned her back against the sill, tipping herself out of the window slightly so she could look up the remaining height of the spire to where it disappeared into the sky like an immense spear. So if it were yours, then you wouldn't want to break it? Or you just wouldn't break it? Lux asked. What's the difference? Jinx asked. Lux laughed. That was probably the fairest and most Jinx clarification that could possibly have been asked for. Impulse control was a foreign concept to Jinx, which was why it meant so much to Lux that she exercised it for her sake. Jinx controlled herself around Lux because she wanted to do it right, and whether or not Lux cared about doing it right, the fact that Jinx was trying so hard for her meant more than she could put into words. But she was just dawdling now. Lux had a question, and she needed to ask it, because if she didn't, she would regret it. It would haunt her every time she saw Jinx. It would be there, on the tip of her tongue, waiting to fall into any conversation. Do you want it to be? That odd stillness came over Jinx, the kind where her frenetic energy seemed to freeze in place and just vibrate violently for a moment as she turned her head to meet Lux's bright blue gaze. What? Want it to be what? Jinx asked the question with a cocked head and a look of confusion. It was the look of a machine misfiring. Yours, Lux said. Do you want it to be yours, and mine, I mean? She nodded into the flat. You could if you want, I mean, not just to stay over, but it could... 
Lux swallowed as sweat began to trickle down her neck and her spine. The flat, I mean, we could... We could live here together, and it could be yours, and... and mine. Her heart was pounding. It was deafening in her ears, but she tried to keep her hopes up as Jinx stared at her with that same frozen, vibrating confusion. It could be ours, Lux finished weakly. There were times that Lux really did wish Jinx vocalized her thoughts a little more. Intellectually, she knew that Jinx was staring like she was taking her apart piece by piece in her head, was just the equivalent of her mind processing something it wasn't used to dealing with, which generally consisted of things that didn't result in chaos, destruction, death, explosions, or any combination thereof. Still, a little feedback would be nice. It would get her heart to slow down, at least. When Jinx finally did respond, it was to scramble to her feet, look up, then clamber up the wall like a rodent up a tree, until she got to one of the wide-mouthed ventilation shafts, tear the grill away from it, and squeeze her narrow body into the resulting hole. All in all, it only took a handful of moments, but it left Lux staring in disbelief before looking dejectedly away and stepping woodenly back into the flat as the bitter sting of rejection settled into her heart. It had been a long shot. Jinx wasn't the type who settled anywhere. Even her own home seemed more like a place for her to rest and rearm than an actual home. Trying to convince Jinx to tie herself down had been a hope, not a likelihood, but even so it had still hurt. You could have just said no, Lux muttered, wrapping her arms around herself as she did and rubbing at them, trying to push away the sudden chill that had settled over her. It hadn't even been the no. It had been how Jinx had just run away from her and left her alone to knock, knock, knock. Lux furrowed her brow, and a split second later, an absurd notion occurred to her. Absurd in only the way that Jinx's mind could be. A faint but hopeful smile worked its way onto her face as she walked to the door and opened it. On the other side was an extremely dirty Jinx. Her hair was plastered to her head with grease and there was dust over every inch of her. Cobwebs were tangled into her hair, which was sticking haphazardly out in places, and she had little scrapes and abrasions on her shoulders, forearms, and knees, presumably from crawling through the ducts. Jinx was panting, mildly out of breath, and she wiped a hand across her face to try and clear some of the filth from her eyes, which really just ended up smearing it. Jinx, what? Why? Lux asked. You could have just come in through the windows. Jinx just looked at her like she was crazy, which was both refreshing and a little perplexing. That's silly. If it's home, then you come in through the door, Jinx said, gesturing to the threshold between them as if it were the most obvious thing in the world. Lux laughed quietly. Of course, that was it. Jinx hadn't run. She'd just gone around to the front door because coming in through the window was silly unless you were breaking in somewhere, in which case it was obvious. But if you weren't breaking in and you were just coming home, then you came in through the door. Obviously. Does that mean you'll stay? Lux asked, almost shaking with hope. Does that mean we can live together? Oh, yeah. Jinx smiled as if there had never been another option. That means you're mine, right? Her grin turned into that frozen rictus. She wasn't sure, so she was waiting. She needed Lux to answer, and swallowed hard. Because it's home, and everything in my home is mine, and, and it's your home, so everything in it is yours too, so I'm yours too, right, Blondie? Lux tried not to cry as she nodded. Yeah, that's right. But she still hadn't come in. Jinx was practically vibrating through the metal flooring of the spire, but she hadn't moved, not back, not forward. She was just standing there. Jinx? You gotta say it, Jinx said almost petulantly, then stopped, 
practically freezing in place before smacking her palm into her face. No, sorry, no, no, no. I'm supposed to, I say the thing first, and then, and then you say it. She put up both hands. Hold on. Lux jerked back as Jinx slammed the door in her face. Then she waited, counted to three, then knock, knock, knock. Lux laughed as she opened the door. Jinx was standing on the other side with a broad, almost brittle smile on her face. I, I'm home, Jinx said shakily, and Lux stared in confusion for several seconds before it dawned on her. That's right, Jinx had to do it the right way. She wasn't just coming home. She was coming home to Lux. And when people came home to someone, they said, I'm home, and the person who was waiting for them would say, Lux stepped back brushing a few strands of hair out of her face as she smiled at Jinx and said, Welcome home. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voiceover, or character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.